said, this is a Redeeming the Time Brothers podcast, a podcast by Gene Kissinger and Norman Kissinger. Our desire is to provide a place for those who long to belong. We believe that uh, truth is essential for life, and as you apply the truth to your life, you find uh, keys for living. So we, we want to provide that kind of truth, and so we're going to be using uh, preaching, devotionals, uh, written uh, blog posts, those kind of things, articles uh, to provide encouragement for people. So I hope you'll uh, uh, stay and be a part of that. Now let's go ahead and start here, if I can adjust the camera. I want to talk to you about the root of the problem. The root of the problem uh, of most of our lives is boredom. Now that may blow you away. Um, boredom often can be a sin or at least can lead to sin. I got to thinking about it the other day. I was sort of doing a little bit of analysis of my life. It's good every once in a while in your life uh, to take a pause uh, and, and uh, use that pause to think about what your life has been like and kind of uh, strategically how you've been living your life. I sort of looked back at the times that I'd gotten in trouble with God or, or had done some stupid things. And one of the things that I discovered in thinking back about that is I did a lot of dumb, stupid stuff when I was bored uh, to try to, add, to try to up or amp up the excitement level in my life. Probably who hasn't done that? I, <laughs> my brother and I, we did uh, skydiving. We jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. Uh, Jerry Kissinger and I, we were over in a little town outside of Eugene, Oregon, and uh, and he he talked me into going skydiving with him. And so <laughs> we go there. We go through the the course, and there's about a like a three or four hour course that they give you. Uh, to go skydiving, they have you lay on a table and spread your arms out like this and they explain to you what's going to happen as you get into the airplane and jump out. We jumped out about 4,500 feet is where we bailed out of the airplane. I'm, we're doing all this stuff and it's, uh, <laughs> I get out, I get out, we get in the airplane and take off and head up and on the part of the way up, Jerry goes, I'm not, I'm not going to jump. And I go, oh, buddy, you talked me into this. You're going to jump if I got to throw you out of here. So he, so I, I go first. I get out on the wing of the plane. I'm standing on the tire. It's raining. So uh, literally raindrops are pelting me at the speed of the airplane. It feels like I'm being shot in the face. And I'm holding on to the strut, which is what he wants me to do until it's time to let go and then he shouts out let go but I was so freaked out I'm like did, did, what I wanted to make sure I understood that it really was when I was supposed to let go and he shouted again and I let go and and uh, fell and the parachute opened up and of course now when when I got down close to the ground I wasn't close to any trees and so you're supposed to flare up you're supposed to pull down on the chute and that kind of acts as a, an air brake of sorts to slow you down so that you don't hit quite so hard and so I was supposed to flare about the tree level but I didn't have any trees close to me so I flared too early and and I, I sort of did a whoop-de-doo up and I landed on the airport runway and the, the chute got caught by the wind because a storm was blowing up and started dragging me across the runway and of course my brother Jerry just comes down and I mean he lands like he's in a movie he just lands without even a step his parachute just almost folds itself on the ground and my wife my wife and his wife are over there just laughing at us. Oh boy. Uh, boredom can get you doing stupid stuff, but really what I want to talk to you today about is not so much uh, maybe stupid sporting activities that we get into. What I'd like to talk to you about today is sinful things that uh, boredom can get you into. If we're not careful, 
uh, boredom can lead to a whole host of sins. I want you to think about this. King David in the uh, Old Testament, King David was the best king that Israel had had. They, he was a, a dynamic king, a great ruler. But there was a time in his uh, rulership, his kingdom, where he kind of kind of slacked off. He, he quit uh, growing close to God. And, and it was the time of spring and the kings would go out to war because the bad weather would be over and they could advance their kingdoms, extend their borders or protect their borders. And so the kings would go out and lead the armies in protecting uh, their borders and extending the borders. David, though, it says in the Older Testament that he stayed, he stayed at the palace while his army went out. And while he was there, he sees Bathsheba on a rooftop, uh, close to his, of course, as a palace. His is, is, he's on the rooftop. His is larger than anybody around. And he sees a woman bathing on another rooftop, and he ends up having an affair with her. And it really, it just fell out of boredom. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And as a result of that, he ends up committing adultery. And then the outflow of the adultery is a wave of horrifically bad things that happen in his family, where you have Absalom starts a rebellion or a war against him. One of his sons, I think it's Amnon, ends up uh, raping a half-sister, Tamar. Um, I mean, it just gets ugly, and, and literally the family begins to fall apart, and there's this, there's this outflow of sin that comes out of really one guy being bored on one hot afternoon. Uh, we got to be careful. There are some things that can happen when you're bored that can destroy you. Say, uh, say that you're thinking about, um, you know, you're kind of bored and you want to do something different and your friends, your friends, they, they drink. And so you think, well, hey, you know, one drink won't hurt me. They, they drink. They seem to be having fun. And then you start drinking and then all of a sudden you find yourself living in the bottom of a bottle and you've lost your job and you've lost your family because you, you now are an alcoholic. But it started out because you were bored and you wanted to hang out with your friends and just have some fun with them. But that boredom can cause you to make a decision that you shouldn't have made. Or, uh, or, or with the, of course, with the example of David, the adultery that took place, he was looking, he wanted to enhance, quote unquote, excite, make his life more exciting by what he was doing. And as a result of that, he literally destroyed his family, tore, tore his family down uh, around him. It was a level of insanity. It all happened because of boredom. Potiphar's wife seems to have been bored, and so she was looking for a good time with Joseph. And it created it created the situation that ends up with a young man being in jail for a couple of years that didn't do anything. But her boredom caused that to happen. Samson is an example of a of a restless mind, a restless man who's going around and he ends up turning to prostitutes and going to a whole host of other situations that he should have never been in, but he allowed his boredom to drive him to sin. And so my contention is this, as I was thinking about my life, uh, not only have some of the stupid things that I've done in life uh, been because of boredom, but some of even the sinful things that I've done in life have been because of boredom. I mean, you don't have to look too far in society to, to see that we're addicted to being entertained 100% of the time. And we sort, of, we sort of depend on everybody else to somehow entertain us or amuse us, to dance for us. And God wants to be the one that meets those needs in our life. He wants to be the one that, that is the, the, the beauty in our life, 
the excitement in our life. He, he wants us to explore our relationship with Him, not take a deep dive into carnality and head away from God and start destroying ourselves. So let me read a passage out of Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and, and be horribly afraid. Be desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken the fountain of living waters and hewed out them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? And he's talking here about a people that had rejected God. They had traded God for the, the living water for these broken cisterns. And, and he really talks about it as almost a double insult to God, a double offense against God, because it's not just, it's not just that they had ignored God or turned away from God, but it's what they had turned to that was so broken and, and wasn't going to meet the need that's in their life. So the guy that's thinking about having an affair, he thinks that somehow this other woman is gonna make him happy. She's not gonna make you happy. That's not how that works. She's going to bring a devastation into your life or that or that gal that's uh, that's thinking about taking drugs and it's going to excite her life. That's not going to make you happy. That's going to waste decades of your life. And, and so what we do is we take our eyes off of God, which should be the one who fascinates us, who draws us to him and who's, who we're passionate about. But instead, we, we turn not just to any old thing, but we turn to sometimes the worst things possible and bring about great destruction. Think about this trade concept for a minute. Imagine you're a dad and you're, you decide that you're going to grill the perfect steak for your son. So you go, you go to the butcher shop, you pick out the, the choicest cut of meat. It's tender. It costs a lot of money. You take it home. You, you make up a homemade marinade sauce and, and you let it you let it marinate for 24 hours in that sauce overnight. And, and you, you make it tender. You get it there. You, you then you grill it to perfection on your Traeger where that sweet incense of oh, of steak is just coming up. It's, it's just beautiful. It's got exactly the right steak sauce to go with it. It's got exactly the right side dishes. And then you take your, your plate of steak that you've prepared, lovingly prepared, uh, paid great expense for, and put it on the table in front of your son. And he looks down on it and he takes one bite of it and he says, can I have a Pop-Tart? You're like, what? Can I have a Pop-Tart? What are you talking about? I, ju I just made you this steak. So the insult wasn't just that you didn't like the steak. The insult was you didn't like the steak and you chose some crummy junk food instead. <laughs> or what uh, uh, one author, Eric, uh, Eric Geigers, in his recent book, he said, How to Ruin Your Life Following a Season of Grief. He said, he said imagine the, the Golden State Warriors trading Steph Curry, who's one of the hottest shooters out there. He's, a, he's gifted at making baskets. And so he's making these baskets. And imagine the Golden State Warriors just up and decide they're going to trade Steph Curry. But to add insult to injury, they don't trade him for another NBA basketball player. They trade Steph Curry for a, a junior high boy that hasn't even hit his growth spurt yet and doesn't know how to play basketball. Well, that'd be a level of insanity and a level of insult to the game and to the to the to those that watch the game. So, so it, it wasn't just that they had turned their eyes from the living God, who is the source of living waters, but they had turned to these broken cisterns that weren't going to satisfy their need, that weren't going to meet the needs that were in their life. We tend to think that uh, we have the noun problem. We think that people, places, and things will meet the needs in our heart. 
I got news for you. People, places, and things will not meet the needs that are in your heart. How do I know that? Because I know thousands of people. And I also know that people are broken and they, they can't fix me. A broken person can't fix another broken person. Only a whole complete God can fix a broken person. A lot, a lot of young couples that come in and get married, they're, they're, expecting, they're expecting their mate to be the one that's gonna make them happy. You know, so they, oh, I love you, baby. I love you too, baby, they say to each other as they're sitting in the counseling session, the premarital counseling, where they're going, oh! Because I know that a couple of years down the road, they're gonna hit a rough patch that's gonna blow up on them and they're gonna find out that other person is not able to meet all their needs. Only God is able to meet all your needs. That's not saying that marriage is wrong. It's not even saying it's wrong to be in relationship. Relationships are a gift from God. But you need to understand something. If you're expecting ultimate satisfaction to come from human relationships, you will be devastated. You'll become a bitter old man or a bitter old woman because uh, relationships are broken. And then how about places? There are some people that have destination disease. They think, man, if I just lived in, in this place, if I lived at the beach, if I lived at the mountains, somebody, somebody that goes and moves over to the beach and they live there, all of a sudden they find out sand is in everything. You got sand in your bathtub, sand in your laundry basket, sand in your shoes, sand in your shorts, sand everywhere. And all of a sudden that beautiful, lovely, wonderful place that you desperately wanted to live at is now kind of frustrating to you. You live in the mountains and you find yourself snowed in for uh, three or four months out of the year. You can't get out of the one road. The county doesn't plow until spring and you're, you're stranded away from everybody for months at a time. And so uh, what I'm saying is that people won't meet your needs, places won't meet your needs, and possessions won't meet your needs. A lot of people that think, man, if I could just get that new truck or new boat or new whatever. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with buying something new. That's not what I mean. But if you're thinking that buying that new truck is going to make you giddy happy, it won't. No, I, there's, the, there's an innervating thrill at the beginning of a relationship, the beginning of a new move, the beginning of a new possession, but that wears off so swiftly within probably a matter of weeks, it actually starts wearing off. And, and for certain within a span of 24 months, the newness and the shiny's worn off. And now you're back to square one where you're trying to figure out how you can get your inner needs met. Well, what he's saying here is that God wants to be the one that you're fascinated with. He wants to be the magnificent obsession of your life. When you wander from God, when you lose the wonder of God, you wander from God. When you lose the wonder of God, you wander from God. And so that's the basic thing that I want you to understand. So if, if you're bored, it can lead you to materialism where you're just trying to amass uh, wealth and more and more and more. If you're bored, you'll go, you'll be a serial uh, relationship. You'll be in serial relationships one after another, after another, after another, uh, looking for that, that ultimate relational high. You, you'll, be, you'll be more prone to addictions of all kinds so that uh, you, you'll be more prone to dive into pornography and follow down that, that 
black rabbit hole that's there that never ends. You'll be more prone to, to drink, to drugs, to all those things if you have this parent sin of boredom. So how do we do this? I think that we need, we need to get fascinated by God again. We need to learn to love Jesus Christ in a profound way. I was talking with my church secretary uh, one time and she said, the problems, all of our problems could be solved if we just fell in love with Jesus. And I, I think she's right. I mean, I, I think she honestly is onto something. Now, I, it's very easy to fall into kind of churchianity, you know, where, where you're just sort of following rules and, 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 meet, and meeting agendas and that kind of thing. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about falling in love with Jesus. What I mean by that is that you have a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus Christ that is, he fascinates you. You want to know more about him. You, you, want to, you want to know what he feels and thinks about the situations that you're in. You, you want to draw close to him in your relationship with him. You want to serve him with your whole life. You want to make an impact. And one of the reasons I think we find ourselves being bored is we're called in, into Christ's kingdom and his kingdom agenda. And we sort of blow him off for all the other little, little uh, rabbit trails we follow down. And then, then because we're not involved in something that's bigger than ourselves, which is the kingdom of God, which God wanted us to be involved in, we're chasing after these little fleeting moments of, uh, that we think are somehow gonna, gonna make us giddy happy, and, and they just don't. And so God, God wants to call us to something higher than ourselves, to invest our lives in something greater than ourselves, and that's serving Him in His kingdom. And, and one day we'll be able to gaze upon God and be part of the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, and have a, a magnificent, wonderful relationship with God that stretches on into eternity. Well, I, I, I think we've kind of explored that. I want to thank you for spending this time with me these few minutes. I, I pray that God's rich blessing will be on you. I want to close in just a time of prayer. Dear Lord God, I pray that you'd forgive us for the sin of being bored. God, we, we have you to search after. God, even though we're closed in by a coronavirus, we're certainly not stopped from exploring our relationship with you. And Lord, there are some people that are watching this right now that haven't cracked a Bible since the, this virus happened. And they haven't spent any time trying to find what you would have for them to do or learn more about you or fall in love with you. And God, it's so easy for us to put you on the back burner. I'm asking you, God, to awaken uh, us so that we might acquire a desire to be uh, it, deeply, madly, passionately uh, in love with you and followers of you. Thank you for all that you've done. I pray that you be with those that are afflicted by this virus. I pray that you be with those that have been affected by this economy. I pray that you would bless them, provide for them, heal them, restore them. Watch out over us, God, as we go our separate ways now. In Jesus' name, amen.